1: This week on the Garage Beers podcast, it's episode 46 and we are getting ready for one of the greatest weekends in football in Northeast Ohio or Ohio in general in a long, long time. First of all, joining us former quarterback of the Ohio State Buckeyes, Steve Belisari, is going to break down uh, the Buckeyes, their, their win over Clemson, the upcoming game against Alabama. We're going to talk about some of his time at Ohio State as well, and then we're going to get in to the Cleveland Browns, taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday night, plus we got our Garage Beers of the Week and so much more, so come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers and welcome on in everybody It's episode 46 of the garage beers podcast coming to you live here go find us on our uh social media at the garage beers on twitter and instagram and at the garage beers podcast on facebook give us a like give us a subscribe here on your favorite podcast network and uh tell your friends about us uh with you as always i'm your host michael keith at Garage Beers Mike on Twitter and Instagram. Go give me a follow there. And with me, as always, are just the two best co-hosts that a guy could ever explore. Over on the east side of Cleveland, we got Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what's going on, Chad?
2: Hi. Hey. Hi. Boys, I am buzzing for the biggest weekend of football in Ohio in a long, long time. Yes. Long time.
1: Our yes. guys in the
2: national championship on Monday, but I mean, typically that is our big weekend in Ohio football.
3: Yeah, right. But
2: the Browns are in the playoffs.
3: Playoffs. <laughs> but Chad, it's January.
2: That's weird. We're playing meaningful football games in January. I thought we were supposed to talk to the about the Browns' offseason now, Joseph. But we're not. <laughs> yeah,
1: guys. Who are the Browns taken with the number two overall pick?
2: No, nope, no. Nope. If by if by two you mean twenty three, then yes, we can talk about that. Wait,
3: thirty first. Weird.
2: Weird. Wait, thirty first. that means you have them losing the Super Bowl, Joe? Come on.
3: Uh, you know, yeah, if we're gonna get there, we're winning that shit. The Seahawks. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I'm scared of the Seahawks. Oh, yeah. shut up. <laughs> I think that was my pre- so, if that was my preseason prediction.
2: You are that so scared of you are so scared of random teams like the the. the the Eagles the Seahawks.
1: Oh god trap game he's like yeah trap game yeah. no trap game in the Super Bowl
2: yeah,
1: yeah but one good. we, we yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> next season pretty scary you know you don't want to you know put your best guys out there in that last game
2: we get to the we get to the AFC championship joe's like the Chiefs could be a trap game for the Super Bowl <laughs> <laughs> so you've obviously heard his voice
1: uh, down there in Nashville, Tennessee, at Garage Beers, Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's going on, Joe?
3: Um, underrated pizza, not like brand because I mean cheap tonight. I was going to say like
1: Nashville pizza brand that do a lot for us. No, there. no,
3: no. It's just Domino's. Uh, but barbecue chicken pizzas are so good. I don't know oh, yeah. why is that not more of like a popular. You, you're like, eh. I think it's the I'm, best I'm, I'm, it's, eh, like
0: pizza.
2: it's like a hug. It's like a hug. It's all right. Barbecue, ch- barbecue chicken pizza is good. Wait. Hold on, though. Hold on. Let's no do this. No pineapple. No pineapple on it, right?
3: No, there's no pineapple on this. Absolutely oh, pineapple God. on pizza. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely on no. pizza. Not this pizza. No.
1: Yes. Pineapple on pizza is an no. absolute. Yes. No. No. You, no. no your no, whole no. life is a goddamn travesty.
2: No. Oh, God. Are you Have kidding you me? It? Are, are you kidding me? We're going to have to reevaluate this whole dynamic of the show here. <laughs> <laughs> With pineapple on your pizza, get the hell out of here. Okay.
1: The, the best chain pizza, in my opinion, is Jets Pizza out of Detroit. It, it is, is good. incredible. It's good. It is good. Bacon oh, and pineapple. Best. What's a better chain than that? Wait a second. It's not Domino's.
2: Oh, God. Uh, bacon, yeah, it's just it a
1: straight ass pizza. With it's their deep dish version though, which is delicious, with bacon and pineapple. That's all that you put on the
2: pizza. What's a straight ass pizza? What's a straight ass pizza?
1: Well, like it's just cheese. It's not it's like cheese (laughs) and regular sauce, red sauce. It's not like any funky sauces for anything, just regular pizza. They don't
3: don't even put sauce on their pizza. I'm a sauce guy. I like I like a lot of sauce.
2: Dude, you crazy.
3: I like to be mopping up my pizza with my sauce.
2: Listen 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 how many times have you had jets pizza sober come on a ton a, a ton no you haven't no, it's like you my haven't. wife's favorite pizza all right all right like, yes fair and my,
1: my freaking mother lives next to a jets pizza like literally a minute from jets pizza
2: okay okay <laughs> shut all up right. chad fair enough you
1: drink. shut up chad you, you shut your you shut your face mike pineapple on pizza is delicious
2: It's gross. And anybody who
1: says otherwise is trying to step on the hopes and dreams of an average American.
2: No, listen, pineapple is gross on pizza. This is a firm take. That is not up for debate.
1: Oh, it's well, listen, I'm a master debater. (laughs) So it is up for debate. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys, listen, we got an awesome episode coming up. We're going to talk some Browns. Uh, We're going to have a little fun, but, uh, First, we're really excited. We're going to kick it off with our favorite segment of the week. we got a great special guest joining us for our Garage Beers of the Week. All right, and now we are going to get into our favorite segment of the week. It's time for our Garage Beers of the Week. Uh, We are excited, as we always are, when one of our guests decide to join us. And that special guest was an Ohio State Buckeye quarterback from 98 to 2001. He was the sixth-round pick in the 2002 NFL Draft. He's currently living the the world traveler life, the dad life a little bit, uh, and, and we're really excited to have him on. Uh, Steve Bellasari, Steve, thank you for joining us here on the Garage Beers Podcast.
4: Oh, thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited to be here. and uh, looking forward to it.
1: Awesome. Well, so what we usually do when we have a guest on, you know, we have manners here on the Garage Beers Podcast. Good to know. Uh, so what we like to do is we like to let you lead us off. So what we do on our Garage Beers of the Week is we just basically introduce the beer we're drinking, we say a little bit about it, uh, and, and then we pass it around. All right. So we'll, we'll I let mean, you not, go first.
2: Not many manners, but some. You're right. <laughs> but some. No yeah. promises.
4: That's, doable. That's yeah. doable. All right. So I will start. I have an uh, IPA from Lagunitas. Uh, this is in the Ooh, one of my buddies, and um, it's a classic beer. I enjoy it, So. Steve
1: nice. Bellasari going with the classic Lagunitas IPA. Love that. Love ah. to see that. Cheers to you, Steve. Uh, next, we're going to go down to Nashville. Joey, what's your garage beer of the week? Is
3: so, because you think mine's going to be lackluster? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I already know what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I got a, a classic Tecate. Um, I don't know. It's just like a good beer. It makes you feel like summertime. Uh, it's missing a tequila and uh, some lime to go with it. Uh, but, you know. It's all right. It's Wednesday. We're, we're getting through the week. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> listen, listen, you can't do all these IPAs every week. I'm going to have a heart attack. Oh, so. believe, believe me. I know. I know. Yes, you can. got to take a light every once in a while. Uh,
1: yeah, the Tecates remind me of when I lived in Texas and we walked across the border into Mexico bef- when you could actually do that. Uh, and they would serve them with just a mountain of salt and lime on top. And the toilet in the bar didn't flush. It was not a working plumbing <laughs> situation. It, it was a I, very strange place. One probably led to another, I'm the other, I'm ticates. guessing. And the Tecate.
2: Well, well, I mean, was it? <laughs> <laughs> all, all
1: right, it some send it over. Shack
2: to... bar across the border? Like, what, <laughs> That's what, what it was.
1: That's all it was. Uh, <laughs> send it over to the east side of Cleveland. Chad, what do you got over there?
2: I'm going uh, back to Fathead's Brewery uh, this week and. This was basically whatever's left in my fridge because our giant eagle order is coming tomorrow. Uh, so this is the Hazy 8 Imperial IPA. Nice. Yeah, Imperial IPA. It, uh, Yeah, it's a Hazy 8 because it's 8% and I haven't tasted it yet. So let's see. Let's see here we go. Yeah, uh, gross, but it's good. <laughs> you're so, you're so <laughs> stupid. It's good.
1: Steve, it's a running thing. Chad, we cannot get Chad to like IPAs. We just can't get him. But We cannot get
4: him to like IPAs. But he he'll
2: still terrible drink
4: them, So go figure.
2: <laughs> What's that?
4: I said, you'll still keep drinking them, but go figure, right?
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't do the shopping. The wife, the wife does like the shopping list. So I just kind of, oh, this is what you got me. I guess it's what I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a, He's a pro's pro. He'll throw down the IPAs yeah. and then he'll bitch about it later. It's fine. <laughs>
2: yeah, Exactly.
1: So then I'm going to go back over here. Uh, I'm going to go back to a brewery that I never had before we did this podcast. And I think I've had it three times on this podcast, but R. Shea Brewing, uh, which is what is it? Akron. Yeah, Akron. Uh, it's everywhere up here. And I don't ever remember seeing it, but I got a beer. It is called Twitchy. And it is an imperial stout aged on eggnog brulee coffee beans. And this thing what is the beast. <laughs> what the
2: wow! Yeah,
1: I don't even know what that is. But what this the is hell a beer, a big ol imperial IPA 9.25% uh, and it's really good. This brewery, yeah. I had like three of their beers. They do not disappoint. They have good beers. Arshay Brewing yeah. in Akron.
2: You know, I've had some exotic beers before, you know, <laughs> just a couple, but for the most part I've been straightforward. Jelly over there has had some straightforward stuff as well. Mike is always, well this is a uh 10 10 and a half% IPA from made from hops you can only find in the mountains in Peru. And uh, yeah, bringing <laughs> the spice some
1: sophistication, bringing the spice. <laughs> yeah. So, we got a couple classics in the Lagunitas IPA and, and in the Tecate, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a couple other ones, but those are our garage beers of the week. Gentlemen, cheers to you guys as we get going with the podcast here on episode 46. And to you, the listeners, cheers. Send us your garage beers of the week. Let us know what you're drinking and give us some recommendations. We'll go out and find them. So uh, let's get into a little bit about uh, Ohio State football, which we've just done a ton of, which we've just been really, really lucky to have some great Ohio State guests. And uh, another one in the list, Steve Belisari. Uh, uh, really excited to have Steve on. Uh, let's just talk, Steve, for a minute about uh, before you got to Ohio State, your journey to being the quarterback, a really interesting journey uh, and uh, we're throwing it back a little bit. I feel like a lot of the guests we've had from Ohio State were here in like 2015. They played in 2016. Yeah. Um, throwing it back a little bit to the 90s. Your journey was interesting. You, you came out of Florida. You committed to Ohio State. And you were a defensive back your first year uh, be, before you took over the reins. Uh, what was that journey like? And, and did you go into Ohio State thinking that you were going to become the starting quarterback?
4: Yeah, so it's an interesting story. I mean, if you go all the way back, actually, I come from a long line of Ohio State players, actually. My dad was a walk-on for Woody Hayes back in 58 and 59. Um, and then my brother, uh, you know, obviously played at Ohio State as well, played linebacker, won the Rose Bowl, captain. Um, yes. You know, ironically, at first, I didn't want to go to Ohio State, right? I wanted to kind of do my own thing. Um, growing up in Florida, um but then after going to camps and doing all these different things and going on the road and, and meeting a lot of different people I knew Ohio State was the right place for me um, and had that opportunity to come in as an athlete um, you know in high school I did both quarterback and safety and uh, you know I wanted the opportunity to do both and my you know my freshman year it probably looked like I was gonna do a red shirt but um, I'm trying to remember I think it was um, who was it Damon Moore was hurt I think during preseason yeah they we were like hey, you know, do you think you want to play? And I was like, well, sure, I'll do whatever I got to do. Um, (laughs) And then I ended up me getting on special teams and, you know, kind of one thing led to another. And then, you know, going into the spring after that, you know, that freshman year, you know, I had the opportunity to compete for quarterback and kind of the rest is history. So. do you think you want to play? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you supposed to answer that as like an 18 year old kid? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, um, you know, I think a lot of kids want to make sure they have that right opportunity of when they're going to start and try to align and have this plan. And I think the reality is that any chance you get to get out there and kind of go make something happen, you got to think advantage of it, right? I mean, uh, the, the more you have a plan, uh, the less it's actually going to happen sometimes. It's just it's so you know it,
1: it's fun to take it back to the 90s it's fun to take it back to those days where it's so different right like right now Ohio State is somewhere there is a scout for Ohio State that's recruiting a kid that's in like seventh grade to be the quarterback in seven years for Ohio State Yeah, it, it's like yeah. especially for a program that size especially in the power five conferences they're it feels like there just isn't that like athlete position anymore, where it's like you could be the quarterback, yeah. you could be a running back, you could be a, an H back, you could be a defensive back. It's like you're the quarterback from seventh grade. It, it's so different.
4: Uh, I think social media has unfortunately changed a lot, right? I and mean, you you have young yeah. seventh graders putting out tapes, and they're on travel football teams <laughs> and AAU basketball, you name it. And we're getting really specialized. But the reality is, if you go look into the NFL and some of the best players today they were never specialized. They got exposure to so many different things. And um, mm-hmm. I think we're losing a little bit of sight of that in some of the youth sports. And I, it's cyclical. It'll come back and you'll start seeing kids saying, Hey, we're going to play and we're going to learn other positions and experience, but it is definitely very different now.
1: It's funny you say that because that's something I gripe about that a lot. We, uh, Chad and I cover um, high school football up here for a radio station. And there's, it, it It's a, it's a very frustrating thing to watch because this didn't happen when I was in school, Uh, but there's a lot of schools where like the coaches expect these kids to just be specialized into football or they expect them to be, there's a, there's a little small district and their, their baseball is their program and their baseball coach is like, no, you're not going to play football. You're going to play spring baseball and winter ball and spring ball and summer ball. And I'm like, I'm looking at all these like best athletes I've ever seen. Right. Mm -hmm. Like LeBron James, LeBron James was going to be a wide receiver at Ohio state right, or a tight end or whatever he was going to be. He played football. Mike Trout played a bunch of sports. I
4: don't know where these coaches get this, that it's just, you have to just be a one sport athlete. It's a good question. It doesn't work. I can tell you that. If there's anyone listening that should, you know, question whether they should play other sports, I'll tell you right now, play all you can get. Um, right. The worst thing you right. want to be is the best player on your AAU travel team because you're going to walk into a world like Ohio state and there's going to be 25 to 30 other guys just like you. And uh, yes, you better be ready to strap it up and play and compete because it's different.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What now speaking of different, what do you think? Because, you know, we talked about how that, that part of it has evolved, but you know, again, we were back in the nineties here. The game is so much different now. You know, we talked you know, you came in as an, in, as an athlete, like, seems nowadays, yeah, everybody is specialized to one position, but everybody is an athlete nowadays. You know, you could, you'd line up in the I formation back in the day. But nobody really does that anymore. Like, a power running game is run from the spread now. What are your thoughts on how the game has changed and evolved? Yeah, I think, um,
4: you know, if I'm going to be specific to offense, right, I mean, the game has evolved in finding ways and getting a mismatch to where you can get your best athlete against someone that can't cover them or, or compete, and it really kind of trickled down, ironically enough, if you look at what New England did. New England for years in the NFL created mismatches. Now they didn't do it with small speedy guys. They did it with guys like Gronkowski, but they were the best at creating mismatches. And then that's all started to trickle down. And, you know, as you go further down where you don't have a premier athlete at every position, the more you can spread the field and create that mismatch, uh, it, it changes the game, right? And so that's where you've seen in high school and college, it really evolved is how do you get to those mismatches where you can win? And if you have one special player, you can really exploit that. You know, as you get into the NFL, that's way they don't see the same offenses. They don't really click because man for man at every position, they have a premier athlete. So it changes your scheme and what you want to do. But that's really what's changed the game is just the philosophy of how do we get our best player the ball every single time? Yeah, it's
1: that's it is a it's crazy. And, and like you said, imagine imagine seeing Ohio State line up in the
4: I formation now. Would they even know what to do? Like I, I, <laughs> I could probably count on both hands in the last five years, how many snaps under center they've actually taken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I would have well, loved that- to have been in one of these offenses to do some of right being an
2: athlete. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't change that. But yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. I know that much. Yeah, but it's it, it is very fun to watch. It's it's
1: awesome, uh, but at the same time, uh, is is there any like disconnect? Is there any is there anything that like needs to happen in college? Because then these guys get into the pros, and you hear a lot about it. Like, oh, this guy only took ten snaps under center his whole career in college. Is he going to be ready for this pro style offense? Like, it, it seems like that disconnect if it seems like the pros are slower to come around the NFL is slower to come around to that
4: style yeah yes and no i think you know you look at a guy like Kyler murray it's it's obviously translated um and you could argue you know you look at um aaron rodgers i, mean, I don't think he's taking a ton of snaps in the main center um, yeah but he'll do it every once in a while the reality is i, I think um, the nfl is definitely changing and they're protecting quarterbacks and allowing them to do that but there is aspects of the game where you're still going to have to get down under center in the red zone and do some things a little bit differently that probably will come around from a college perspective, but you're still going to have these universities that'll never change that because they can just compete at a level that they normally couldn't.
1: Yeah. So you talked a little bit, just to dive into it a little bit, you talked a little bit about having the, uh, the Ohio state Buckeye legacy in the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, What ultimately was it though because we love asking this question we've asked every Buckeye we've had, what brought you to Columbus? What made you go to become a Buckeye? What ultimately was it? Was it your dad being like, don't come home for Christmas if you don't go to Ohio (laughs) state or was it, (laughs) was it, what was it that made you say, you know what, Ohio state is the place for me?
4: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, My dad actually wanted me to stay closer to Florida. He was like, it's easier for me to go to games and travel. And he was a big proponent of Florida state, actually a Mark Rick at the time. Played high school football with my oldest brother. Um, so we had a strong wow. eye at Florida state. And then, um, it really came down. I remember I took a notepad and I wrote pros and cons and there was really Ohio state and Florida state at the time. And both are state schools. So from an education standpoint, I could get about the same, right. Um, sure. both were in the top 25, top 10 at that time, both were putting a lot of people in the NFL, um, had family in Florida Had family in Ohio it kind of was coming down to a coin flip, and it really boiled down to where did I feel really comfortable with the staff and the players, you know, for my visit, and then where did I have the opportunity to play the most, and whether I was playing quarterback or safety, I had a chance to start for three years essentially at Ohio State, at least compete for it, and uh, yeah, that was an okay. exciting factor. If I look at you know the roster at Florida State, I mean, they had nine different quarterbacks: Chris Winkie was one of them, um, Dan <laughs> oh I mean, they had a long list of guys. <laughs> Um, and then you know, on the flip side, same same spot on safety. Whereas coming you know to Columbus, I, I had a chance to at least compete for that starting job earlier, and I wanted to play and get as many uh, reps in as I could. So that's why I ended up at Ohio State.
1: Can't believe we just had a Chris Winkie reference. Chris <laughs> oh, Winkie. Yeah. Chris Winkie was the quarterback at Florida State until he was forty-seven years old.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was. He was. He was Brandon Whedon before Brandon Whedon. Yes. <laughs>
1: Very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I still have uh, Peter Warwick, great Florida State wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I still have his autograph on a, a placard. Uh, they brought him in and announced him like he was going to go to the Browns. Uh-huh. And so he made an appearance at the auto show here with Chris Palmer, the coach of the Browns at the time. Mm-hmm. And they, before the draft even happened, he was here signing autographs. So I have a little thing that says, with a Browns helmet on it, that says number 80, Peter Warwick, with his signature on it. And that did not happen. (laughs) No, it did not.
2: Yeah. 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 Could you send Uh, Peter that helmet and have him just put, like, just kidding on
1: it? Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah.
1: All right. So there's something I want to ask you about. Before we get into a little more Ohio State stuff, I'm going to send it up to that team up north for a minute. And I'm really excited about this because I brought this up a couple times. And I don't think there's anybody better to talk to about this than you. Okay. We've talked a lot about the hard boss situation in Michigan. And he just re upped a contract. Uh, and he's had a lot of these uh, decent years, but he just cannot get over the Ohio State hump. He just, if he has a great year and wins 10 games, they are not beating Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Or if they have a year like they did this year, they fluke out and try to not play Ohio State. I. To me, and this is not meant to be an insult because I think he was an awesome coach and you played for him. You went to Ohio State. It's a lot like John Cooper, isn't it? It, Like John Cooper had a lot of those years where where Ohio State would win nine games and they'd be great and they'd be pushing for like, maybe we can get to the, and then Michigan would come and it was just like, Cooper could not get over that Michigan hump. Uh, Harbaugh reminds me a lot of that, not personality wise, but just like that,
4: career arc. Yeah. I, I mean, you can definitely make that. I, I think the bigger difference, you know, when we were good, we were really good. Uh, I, Michigan in the last couple of years, I hate to say it, they haven't been very good. They've, they put together the and strung along, but not only have they lost to us, they continue to lose to Michigan state. Um, they're mm-hmm. flipping back and forth with Penn state. I mean, the reality is they're not just losing to us. They're losing to a lot of the other big 10 schools that are, you know, yeah, always at the top. So, I think it's a little bit different, and the fact that they keep re-upping his contract is surprising. Um, in my, in my opinion, now I get it. They got a lot of money invested, and that's fair. Um, but it's one thing to lose to your rival, but it's another thing to continue to lose to some of the other you know teams in the Big Ten that you got to beat. And right. He hasn't consistently done that, right? What do you think yeah, it was Wisconsin,
2: Wisconsin? Another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> what do you think it was? You know, I try to look back. And it was it was always just so like it was that crushing blow at the end of the year. What do you think it was about that? Uh, And maybe they feel it up in Michigan because they beat us like twice in like 25 years. What was it back in the day? Why was it so hard to get over that hump with Michigan?
4: Yeah, I mean, I wish I could sit here and say it was a coach's thing. But the reality is that the players got to play, right? And um, mm-hmm. it does become something where it, it, in your head and you go through it and you do put this pressure on you. And I think we saw a little bit of this last week in, in the Northwestern, or two weeks ago in the Northwestern game. know, you start playing not to lose, your game plan is different. And you're trying to make the perfect play and do everything right instead of just kind of letting it rip, right? I mean, I know that sound, yeah. sounds interesting, right. but the reality is you got to go and you've done all this practice. You know what you're doing. Um, and on the flip side, if you look at just some of the fluke things that happen, I look at in 96, my brother's senior year, Sean Springs is the best cornerback arguably that we've ever yep. had. Slipped. Yeah.
2: yeah. Slip all right. Time. right, right. Just <laughs> yeah. to slip. Um, That's true. Slipped
4: and gave up an 86-year touchdown. So you know, you look at things like that, they had a little bit of luck on our side, on their side, and we played tight. We didn't play loose. We were nervous. And I think, you know, you could argue that trickled down from the coaches, but reality is we just didn't get it done against them. Um, I think we had the personnel and the players, but, yeah, they were a tough nut to crack there for a while.
1: Yeah, and they were – I mean, they were great teams. Obviously, mm-hmm. you guys they, – there were great teams at Ohio State all through that time. Uh, it just – you know, it's that – it's that ultimate – it's the hardest thing about sports, Right. I mean, Cooper was a great coach. Uh, he did a lot of great things at Ohio State, recruited amazing players. Uh, and his legacy always seems to boil down to, yeah, but he couldn't beat Michigan.
4: Unfortunately, that's that's true. I mean, but he won, what, over 70% of his games? And yes. You look at his tracker, and I don't believe Harbaugh's that close to that, right? So, I mean, yeah, you can draw the similarities, not beating his rival, but I just look at the consistency that Cooper had year in and year out. I think it was a little bit a little bit better. So what was the difference? You were there. It was
1: your last year. Your last year was Trestle's first year, right? Mm -hmm. So what was, uh, what was any kind of noticeable difference? Because obviously from a fan's point of view, there was a big difference. Trestle came in talking immediately about Michigan. Really? Yeah. Uh, He made that famous speech that they're going to beat Michigan that first year. And and you guys did. And, and you never really looked back on that end. Uh, What were the big differences between Coop and, and Jim Trestle from, from your perspective as a player?
4: Yeah. I mean, behind the scenes, not much. Um, if you look at, you know, any CEO of a large corporation, there's a lot of similarities. And you go to a lot of head coaches, you're going to find a lot of the same traits. I mean, I look at, both those guys are unbelievable men that did a bunch of stuff in their community. They were great to the players. Um, now their styles of how they did it. I, I feel, you know, Trestle was definitely more involved in the day to day with his coaches. Whereas you look at Trestle, I mean, sorry, Cooper, he allowed, you know, Puggets to run the defense and his offensive coordinators run it. And he had the oversight at the end where, you know, I think Trestle was just a little bit more involved, more hands on. Um, so that was probably the most noticeable difference. But you bring up something I think that was probably very different around the Michigan game. You know, the three years prior to that, we didn't talk much about it until the week of Michigan, right? It was like, hey, we're going to focus on what we have in front of us and then we'll focus on Michigan. And I think Trestle did a really good job of just keeping that back of mind, um, because then yeah. you know, if you think about it as an eighteen-year-old, right, you're pretty immature. It's not that big of a deal anymore because we've been talking about it this whole time, and you know, kids went out and played. So uh, you could say that's the biggest difference. But I mean, in, from my standpoint, those two are pretty similar. Just their execution and their style was a little bit different. I think that's such
1: an awesome point you brought up, uh, and it's I, something I've thought about for a long time uh, because. <clears throat> whether it's we're, we're a bunch of Cleveland guys. We're, we're Browns fans all right. We've had years and years of Brown. And listen, yeah, right. It's awful. We know uh, my mom's from
4: Rocky river. Um, ah, uh, me too. Uh, oh, look at that. I'm a, I'm a closet Browns fan. Um, an Indians fan. So it, it's, it's all good. I get it. I feel your pain. Yes. Rocky rivers put out some, some players, mm-hmm. Rocky river, Rocky river's got some, some lineage
2: yeah, to it. Sure. Uh, not me. Not my me, dad. I just
1: graduated from the high school.
2: <laughs> my dad, my dad, there we go. Rich Meyer, hello. I,
1: I broke my hand in, uh, uh, what, sophomore year in football? And I was like, yeah, football's not for me anymore. So uh, that was my, that was my <laughs> prowess. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it's, it's, we spent a lot of time, we've heard a lot of like, right, we, the Steelers thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just another game. It's just another game. This is just another game. This is just another game. And and I think it's a great point what you brought up. Tressel didn't do that. Tressel was like, no, that's the Michigan game, mm-hmm. and we're gonna. We've heard a lot of stories, uh, and I don't know that you saw this, but we've heard a lot, you only had the one year, sure. Uh, but we had we had like Mo Hall on here, and he used to, he talked to us about how Trestle would make, he would make practice, you would practice plays that you would never run, ever. Mo Hall told us the story about the, the year, the next year when they went to the national championship. They practiced that option run that he scored against Michigan every week in practice. Yeah. And he was like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? And then the only time they ever ran it was at the end of that Michigan game to take the lead and go to the national championship. Uh, so it's, I think it's kind of cool. I think that's a great point. He put an emphasis on it. He didn't make it bigger than other games, no. but he put it back
4: in mind. But if, but if you look at our coaches since, it's never changed, right? Urban did the same thing. Coach Day has done the same thing. Like they continue to make sure that like that is a focal point. Right, wrong, or indifferent. And the reality is in college sports, if you don't beat your rival, and doesn't matter how many games you win, you will not be there long. Like that's just that's right. the reality.
2: Unless you're Jim Harbaugh.
4: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Then you get contract extensions. Right. Right. Hey, congrats! You played Ohio State this year. Here's a contract. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, could you uh, when the win? It all changed over. You know, obviously, you you left 2001. You went into the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, then the next year, they they go. Uh, it's the Maurice Clarett year. It's uh, the national championship year. Could you tell something
4: something special was brewing with that team when you were on the way out? Yeah, I mean, if you look at. I, the, the late 90s in general i mean you look at 1998 how good our football team was yes um and we had a punt hit a guy in the back right um <laughs> we lose to michigan state we go out and kill Texas AM. and i'd argue we beat uh, anyone in the country that year um you know 99 2000 candidly we weren't great we were middle of the pack um we were getting better and i just think the pieces finally came together they got rid of a quarterback and got craig in there and they they got <laughs> better and won of the National Championship. So um no, the pieces were always there. They really were. Um, and if you look at any great national championship team, they've always had defense that's been amazing. And that's been the differentiator, right? And I look at this year, everyone's kind of downplayed our defense, but we look at what we did last week, right? We played awesome. So yeah, um, the pieces were always there. I just think we finally put them all together that year and had a little bit of luck go our way every once in a while, and we won some big games. So, all right. So let's
1: talk about Ohio State now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, last week that was a blast. That was yeah. That was a blast. That was uh, there was nobody. I, I, Harbaugh put Harbaugh aside. He's just over there. I don't know that there's anybody I think I've ever wanted to beat. Or one, I talk like I'm playing. I didn't play in the game. I don't think there's anybody I've ever wanted a team that I root for to beat more than Dabo Swinney. Like, that was just, that was so great. That was so great. That was so great. What were your thoughts when you heard Dabo ranked Ohio State as number 11 in the country? What were your thoughts? He woke up a sleeping
4: giant. Yeah.
2: I mean, (laughs) yeah.
4: He was clearly afraid of us, didn't want us in the playoffs. For that reason alone, we hit them in the mouth last year. Yes. On paper, we beat them. Sorry. They went on the score. Well, that was a fumble. Yeah. So put that aside. um, We beat them up last year. We did. Yes. And he knew that. And we had the recipe to beat them. He didn't want to see us again. And unfortunately, when he made that comment, um, I will say – Ohio State historically, as the underdog, we play tremendously better. And Coach Day used that perfectly. Our game plan was right. Our kids played loose, and just—I mean—we put on a show last week. We looked really good. So yeah, yeah, felt, yeah felt I mean, we, you I'm, know, we
2: talked. Yeah. Yeah, we talked. We talked about that Michigan hump just 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 recently. We finally got over a Clemson hump. You know, okay. oh, oh, what were we? Zero oh, oh and three, zero oh and four against Clemson going into that game. Mm-hmm and you know was there any sense like you know there's so much talk There was also so much talk about Trevor Lawrence uh being the number one pick being the best quarterback in college football part of me thinks I don't know if you feel the same way Steve it, it, I feel like Justin Fields kind of took that game personally like you took like you, you took Ryan Day you know you heard Ryan Day afterwards you know once once Justin Fields got hurt looked him in the eye and said we're not losing this game uh, but it's it, it just I don't know I just kind of got a sense that that Justin Fields was like, maybe he was upset about the last couple of weeks that he's had, he's had a couple of down weeks, and he was just laser full. I don't know. It just seemed to me like you checked that game personally. I don't know what your thoughts might be.
4: Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. I mean, you know, if I were to criticize him a little bit in the, the Northwestern game, is I felt he was trying to play perfect, right? Yes, he maybe yeah. had a Heisman Trophy on the line um, versus saying, like, hey, man, go make some mistakes, and if it happens, next play, right? That If he keeps that yeah. next play mentality like he did this last game, I think that's the biggest difference. I mean, yeah, that chip on the shoulder, it's great and it's good motivation. And um, we definitely needed that, but it's it's counterintuitive, but him getting hit like that probably woke him up and he knew like, Hey, I just got to let it rip because any play now I could get taken out and um, he was throwing to spots. He was on time on rhythm and uh, he looked really good. And that's the Justin Fields we all know. I think what we saw in Northwestern was an anomaly because he was trying to, to press a little bit, right? He had Heisman Trophy and all these things. And I'd love to sit here and think they don't think about that, but the reality is we all do. And um, sure. yeah. the good news is he had that game and that moment to learn from it. And then you put mm-hmm. the next thing on the field, and, you know, having a lave and, you know, Coach Hartline back on the sidelines, I guarantee helps. Um, right. But I'm excited what he's going to put on the field here coming up on the 11th.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he got the Bud Kilmer treatment at halftime, and you know, then he was good, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: No.
2: You know,
1: it's, it's funny though. It's a great you. You played in that era of kind of towards the end of the of the kind of do anything you want out on the field era. The the end of the you can get away with really anything, especially on defense. Uh, and it is tr- it's very much transitioned. There there wasn't really targeting happening in
4: 1999 or 2000. Um, no. And if you're bored, I, people always ask me, what was it like to play quarterback at Ohio State? And I, oh, no. I the Google LeVar Arrington's highlights from nineteen. Oh, no. And there's a play where he takes me out on the sideline. with a, He clotheslined me. And, um, I mean, the guy's an animal, and I don't mean that in a negative way. He's That's how he played on the field. And, I mean, he took his best shot, and it was a good one. And, I mean, I was surprised I got up. But the reality, is, I tell people, like that's what it was like playing college football. But if you're ever bored, yeah. look it up. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So, what was your reaction when that hit happened,
1: and 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 Justin Fields takes the crown of a helmet right to the ribs?
4: There's an ejection that happens. What's your
1: immediate reaction?
4: You know, I get so torn with this targeting call because it's a really slippery slope, right? You all have plays where we got, you know, last year we had a guy get kicked out because, you know, someone ducked and then it, it turns into a targeting because they forcibly hit someone in the head. The reality is those type of plays with the head down, they have to be out. And yeah, we've had it happen yeah. to us and it's going to happen to them. And uh, they made the right call. It's a tough call. Um, but I was really concerned that Justin Fields broke a couple of ribs. I mean, the way he got hit, I was like, oh, I hope he yeah. gets up. And uh, I can guarantee what he's playing with is not comfortable. So for him to gut it out that second half and continue to play, it's pretty impressive.
2: And I never said this out loud until now, but now now that I saw like that linebacker Skalski's uh, comments, like on Twitter and then like after the game, my my thought in my head was, well, the Browns need some linebackers. This kid is fast, physical. (laughs) He's a short tackler. I love him on the Browns. <laughs> that's the first time
1: I've ever said it out loud. <laughs> He'd be a good fit. Yeah, but 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 like you said, it's it's that's that's always been my point in this conversation. That rule exists every bit as much for the tackler as it does for the player that gets tackled. Because whenever you see one of those catastrophically horrific injuries, neck injuries, mm-hmm. spinal column injuries that happens out on the field. It's not every time, but a lot of times it's because of one of those head down uh, tackle right into the middle of somebody's chest where they don't move the way that you think they're going to move. And your neck compresses and your spinal column compresses. I mean, it it is that to me. And and the other thing you, you, you grew up playing all kinds of positions, right? I did not play a ton of football, but that was like lesson number one. When you're tackling,
4: put your head up. Well, they need to evolve that role to, to offense. I mean, there's plenty of times yes. where you see, you know, the runner with the ball put their head down and they're just in a, I mean, they're in a compromised spot that way. So yes. I think right. it can evolve right. and they can look at it both ways, but yeah, it's a, it's a necessary role.
2: It's the old turtleneck, the old turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Yeah. yeah. All
1: right. So what are the other cool stories about Ohio state as we, as we get ready to head into uh, the national championship is this explosion At running back, Trey Sermon has just been, uh, I'm not going to say out of nowhere because the potential has always been there, but the the style of play maybe hasn't always focused on let's get Sermon the ball. Then, like we talked about, uh, Justin Fields struggles in the Northwestern game, and they have to turn to that because Fields just did not have it in that game, and Sermon just carries Ohio State to a win. Sermon's phenomenal against a good Clemson defense. Uh, What's your, uh, you know, for you watching this as somebody who's been there as a quarterback for Ohio State, watching this uh, kind of explosion by Sermon the last couple games, I think he set a record. the like the last three games, the most rushing yards in three games, uh, it's been
4: incredible. Yeah, he's um, he's stepped up big time. I mean, you know, you go back to the last time we won a national championship, right? You had JT broke his ankle and we had to have people step up uh sermons that guy this year right we had cordell step up and make big plays for us and help us win a national championship we're kind of getting that out of number eight this year and th- i think that's a really cool story but that's that's what you got to have on great teams like someone's got to step up and make plays um because the reality is not everyone's going to be perfect and um we've always ran the ball really well but i think these last three weeks from a scheme and what we've been trying to do we've ran it exceptionally well and um yeah. I keep giving that kid the ball because it's going to make Justin Fields' job a little bit easier.
1: (laughs) Yeah. As a quarterback, as a former quarterback, you're like, give give the running back the ball. This is great.
4: Yep. (laughs) Well, I don't think Alabama's seen anyone like that. You know, our rushing attack is downhill. And, I mean, our offensive linemen, their ability to get to the second level right now is as good as I've seen in college football. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to make a huge difference in this game coming up.
1: Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. You know, I'm I'm sitting there trying to think of Alabama. And, and again, I've been laughing about this because people were talking about one of the things uh, people complained about Ohio State having only six games and still getting in. But they also complained a little bit about the schedule. It wasn't the strongest schedule of all time. The Big Ten wasn't fantastic this year, but I don't think any conference was. Mm-hmm. I, I look at Alabama and I'm looking at the SEC and, I, and full disclosure, I'm in, I, I went to an SEC school. Uh, I like an SEC team. It's that Texas A&M team that you guys crushed. Uh, they weren't SEC back then, but uh, I, that was probably the best running team that they faced because the SEC was down this year. There were no good teams in the. end. It was Alabama, A&M, and Florida, and maybe Georgia, depending on the week. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there weren't there weren't a lot of good running teams for sure uh, against Alabama. So I think you're exactly right there. I think they they're going to see something. If Ohio State continues to run the ball the way they have, uh, they're going to see something they have not seen all
4: year. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, obviously Alabama was a cut above everyone in the SEC, and for that matter, yeah. everyone in the country, right? They are undoubtedly the number one team. Um, but I, I, would, I would contend from a matchup perspective, we have the personnel to beat in Alabama. It's going to be an uphill climb, no doubt about that, but uh, if there's anyone that can do it, it it'd be us.
2: Now, now, yeah. Let's get into that game a little bit, Steve. Yes. We, we um. So, to to me, I, I I don't know. You know, you can just give me your initial thoughts after this. To me, it, it's it's going to be quite the shootout because because the matchup that scares me the most when it comes to that Ohio State defense is Devonte Smith and if Jalen Waddle plays. Yes. And, it, it, and it's it's you know it, so I, if they don't get pressure on Mac Jones, I feel like it could be a long night for that. Alabama, for that uh, Ohio State secondary. So to me, this kind of just screams uh, like a game of, uh, again, this is assuming that we don't get pressure. This just screams like a game of whoever's going to have the ball last. What are your initial thoughts going into this matchup?
4: Well, it's going to be a high-scoring game, fact. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Alabama's defense is extremely good, but they're not nearly as dominant as they've been in years past. Um, Yeah. Sarkeesian and his play calling right now is the best I've seen – in college football, period, in my entire life. Um, His game plan and his ability to get the ball to his playmakers and Mac Jones running that has just done a really good job. Um, So they're going to score points. I mean, if I had to break it down, really going to come down to two things, in my opinion. It's going to be turnovers and then special teams. Mm -hmm. If you look historically, Saban's teams have been really good in offense and defense in their scheme, but special teams, they've they've not always been the best at times. Um, And if I Mm -hmm. were to say historically – Ohio State teams are a little bit better on special teams. This is me being biased. Um, the reality is, our defense needs to buckle up. They're going to score. We got to get a couple stops and maybe a turnover here or there. But if we can get out of there with a couple stops and a you know turnover or two, we can win the game. If not, and we try to stop them every single time and give up some big plays and lose momentum, it's going to be a long night. So uh, to me, it's it's understanding that they're going to score points. Got to get a stop here or there. We get a couple of them, we're going to be in good shape. Now, on paper, it looks
1: crazy. You brought up Sarkeesian, uh, next head coach at Texas. Uh, as Tom Herman when, uh, is out of Texas. Sarkeesian's in. Uh, uh, you brought up a couple things. And obviously, the first thing that stands out, the three of the top five Heisman finalists play for Alabama's offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, the running back's amazing. The quarterback's really good. That, uh, the Heisman trophy winner is, I think, one of the best players I've seen at the wide receiver position in a long time. And that's saying something. Uh, but it's it's also kind of uh, misleading because as good as Mac Jones I think has been, he's a Heisman Trophy finalist. Uh, I think I, Justin Fields was completely ripped off of not being a Heisman Trophy Trophy finalist. Uh, I, I think Justin, Justin Fields is every bit of the impact player, if not maybe even a little more. I think than Mac Jones. Uh, so I think Ohio State uh, has has a. Has a real, they, they really have the ability to compete. I think those wide receivers are awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you said, having Chris alive back, you saw the difference. Uh, As a quarterback, that's a great question for you. Actually, Steve, as a quarterback, do you have your security? Like we talk about it as fans or reporters talk about it. We don't really know what we're talking about unless we've played, uh, but as a quarterback, do you really have, like, your security blanket players? Like, it really feels like Olave is that security blanket player for Justin Fields. And not having him on the field really felt like it kind of threw him off.
4: Yeah. If you look at the schemes and what they do with Alave, Olave um, is his – not his outlet, but he is the middle six, seven-yard quick completion, go make a guy miss. And it's it's a rhythm thing, right? So with when Olave in the game, it's get some completions, get it out quick – Garrett Wilson can do that. I just think when they won to it with him stretching the field um, yes. and then Malave doing some stuff underneath and then they'll switch it, it creates a lot of problems, right? So I just think from a rhythm and what they've been doing offensively, he didn't have that one piece that he was used to. And that's where I felt he kind of was like, okay, I got to be perfect. I'm going to make the perfect throw. And hey, this person's going to be there. And it just, uh, Northwestern did a great job. If I look at what they did in that game, as far as they said, listen, you guys can do whatever you want in front of us. You're not getting, you're not going to be this deep. I think yeah. we need to take a little bit of that page yeah. as well, going into the Alabama game. Yes. Hey, listen, number 6, 17, they're going to get their catches. That's fine. They're just not going to beat as deep. We limit the 20-yard-plus yeah. plays. Because if you look, that's what Alabama's fed on this year, right? They have a lot of plays over 20 yards. We limit those. Yeah. They're going to score points. But limit the big plays, we're going to be okay.
1: What do you think the biggest difference was? Because the thing that threw me off, I, I've harped on Ohio State's defense all year. I, I just – It's a very weird year for Ohio State's defense. We've talked about it a lot. Usually the the corners, the edge rushers dominant in an Ohio State defense. That's not been the case this year. They've been really good up the middle, and on the outside, it's not been the case. But that defensive effort against Clemson, a team that had just absolutely ripped apart Notre Dame, another playoff team, the week before, what do you see as the big difference uh, in Ohio state being able to really contain that Clemson offense.
4: I think it, you know, those first couple drives, they took their shots, right. And they got points. And then we finally got one stop, right. And that momentum off that one stop, it really started to kick. And that's a big thing at this with kids this age. So I think our play calling and our schemes was really good. And the kids executed, it really was just a matter of, Hey, we stopped them a couple times. Then we got a turnover. I mean, so it's just a, really, that momentum grew, um, you saw at the beginning, they tried to exploit the edges, right? They said, Oh, we're gonna to get to the outside. And they did. That's not a game plan that you could sustain, right? They gotta win their one on one matchups. And we started to buckle down and started to lock the receivers down. And the reality is we were winning our matchups, which I think we can do in the Alabama game, but it's gonna come down to can we get a couple stops, limit some big plays, and then we'll be okay.
1: All right. So give us your last, your, your final opinion on the game. Ohio State, Alabama, how you really feeling coming into this game? And and what do you think Ohio State's shot is to win another national championship?
4: Well, I look at the momentum that they have coming off this last game. You got a quarterback that's hurt, which challenges everyone to kind of step up. Right. I think um, if everything was perfect and they didn't have some of these struggles and some people beat up, I'd be a little bit more nervous. But I think there's something unique about having the you know, that that thing you got to overcome and you can rally behind it. And there isn't a player on that team that's not going to be fired up and ready to play for Justin Fields. And that's a really powerful thing, especially in college football. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, now on the flip side, I got to be really honest. Alabama a good football team. We <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they got a coach that is, I mean, I hated playing against them because I knew I was going to be sore for the next three weeks after that game, because Nick Saban coaches his teams up to be really tough. Right. Um, You know, on paper, I think Alabama's number one football team in the country and probably should win the national championship. But I just look at all the different factors that are happening right now, and I would be really hard pressed to to vote against the Buckeyes. Man, I I really think we're going to pull this one off.
1: Oh, God, your lips to God. I love it.
2: Steve said we were going (laughs) to (laughs) win. Quick hitter, quick hitter, quick hitter before we let you go. Steve, you've been a world traveler now. Where's your favorite place to go?
4: Uh, That's a good one. Um, you know, I had a chance to go to Australia for work, and that was a really cool place.
2: Ooh. Really enjoyed it, yes.
4: And last, my last
1: question is: uh, You're a dad. Uh, you got some little ones. Is there going to be another
4: Bellasari in an Ohio State jersey at some point? There could be. We'll see. I um, I have <laughs> two boys, and uh, my brother actually has a boy. Um, both are pretty good athletes, so they uh, enjoy football and then my middle one enjoys football and basketball and all that fun stuff. We'll, we'll see. Um, I can put it this way. My oldest is doing things that I never could have done at that age. So. (laughs) Yes. All right.
1: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Hey man, we really appreciate you jumping on with us talking a little buck guys. It was fun rehashing some of your times playing. And uh, I, I sincerely hope it's going to be a really fun night whenever the game happens. I don't know if they've made, did they make an announcement on that yet? I shouldn't know that coming into this. But I know there's I don't
4: think they have yet, but
1: I, I know it could either happen this Monday or the next Monday, whenever that is. Uh, I hope your prediction comes true and we can all celebrate another Ohio State championship. Steve Belisari, former quarterback of the Buckeyes. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you're having a great new year and uh, and we'll talk to you again down the line. Thanks, guys. Same to you. All right, and thank you once again to special guest Steve Belisari, former Ohio State quarterback. Gave us a lot. That was that was great. He he answered a lot of great questions that I had from that Ohio state quarterback perspective uh, and, and what a great special guest. Our thanks to Steve cheers to Steve out there joining us for that IPA from Lagunitas as well. Uh, and now it's time for us to get on with uh, the other exciting uh, football game that's coming up this weekend. Uh, hard to believe it is January. We were just talking about this. It is January. And not only is Ohio state in the playoff and in the final, which is, we've come to expect them to be in the playoff but the freaking cleveland browns are about to play a a football game that means something in wait January. what what why are what? we not talking about this should be i had this slated when we started the podcast i had this episode 46 slated to be draft preview what the hell is happening <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know kevin stefanski came in and then uh, just uh, just uh, just threw it all out of whack mike we're gonna have you to, save, we're, gonna have to save, we're gonna have to save the draft preview for episode 49 damn all right it. all right
1: is it 49 50 51 <laughs> let's keep going found, let's found keep good. going yeah who knows listen i don't give a shit who they drafted at number 32 in the first round
3: or 31. You never know. No, they'll go Patriots and
2: trade them for second round picks. How about that? Huh? How about that? That's the way to do it.
1: That's the way to do it guys. This, this is great. Uh, uh, the Browns did what they had to do. Chad and I celebrated it, uh, on Sunday after many drinks. Uh, but we actually, we actually did it and released the video and it came out. Okay. Uh, the, the, the Cleveland Browns, uh, did what they had to do. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, against Mason Rudolph, who played a, a really good game. Uh the Browns did what they had to do. Uh they 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 got the win, they punched their ticket to the postseason, and there's a lot for us to talk about here. But before we talk about any of the of the other stuff, guys, the the, the Browns are in the playoffs. Like Yeah. Joe, you were nine the last time that happened.
3: Was I? Yeah, yeah, you sure were. Sure was. Great time being nine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Great A lot's happened since then. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Wait, like, like what, uh, Joe? <laughs> wait, like what? Well, I graduated elementary school. <laughs> Congrats on that. Congrats on yeah. Yep. Um, I'd, like, learned, I'd like
1: to see the transcripts.
3: I learned to drive. Yeah. Did you? Come on. Um, Come on. I don't know. I mean, what's what's... What's really coming of age from nine until being a drive, <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs> nothing, nothing. That's where it's it is. Really that's where it <laughs> stops. Miscellaneous childhood
3: memories and then high school. <laughs>
1: it, it's pretty incredible, though, guys, isn't it, though? Like, you know, uh, I can still remember. That's how much this means. I remember growing up like that, that's that's the crazy thing. I remember growing up. And and I'm not an old man. I was born in 85, but I remember growing up. I remember growing up and and watching the Browns in the playoffs and and the whole neighborhood would come over to the house and everybody would make dog bone cookies. And it was a big party. And obviously nobody's doing that now because of COVID and all that. But uh, there was that, that little bit of get back to that in 2002. The Browns finally made the playoffs again in 2002. And I still remember. I'm what I'm what am I 17 years old at that point and the whole family's over and we're all celebrating and remember the Browns should have won that game against the Steelers if not for a Dennis Northcutt fumble uh Foge fucking fazio Foge fazio uh the whole family was over it was like old times we were all screaming running up and down the stairs like it was a good time we have not had that in 18 years it is I got incredible. something incredible. What if do you, you could,
3: got? If you could go back 18 years ago and tell your 2002 self, hey, did you see this on TikTok? It's gonna be uh, no, I didn't actually, but is it, <laughs> oh, I'm really? sure it's probably on there. It's pretty like I don't know, it's a pretty generic thought. But what would you tell yourself uh, uh, eight, 18 years from now? No,
1: no, it's it's funny you say that because uh, there's a video on TikTok which. If you'll go back to our video or our our episode where we had the "That's What B Said" uh, ladies on with us, I didn't know what TikTok was. Now I'm in a freaking addiction situation. But there was a guy who <laughs> made a video. You're a, wait, like, wait,
0: what? You're oh, I love addiction?
1: TikTok. Oh, I'm I'm addicted to TikTok. It's it it's, it's a wormhole that I cannot. Oh, okay. Get out of. Yeah. Uh, you're part of the problem because you also encourage that. Job.
3: I instigated that for sure. Oh, you way sure to, did.
1: Way um, to go, Joe. Way to go. There's a video that he made, though, uh, and it's like of himself 18 years earlier, like celebrating that the Browns made the playoffs, and then he comes in the room and he's like, it's me from the future. Don't get too excited. You're not
2: going to oh. do this
3: again for 20
2: years. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no.
3: Original contents to That's for damn sure.
2: It's
1: um, <laughs> Listen, it's, it's, it's sad in a way. And here's what I mean by that. Um, even for a guy like you, Joe, uh, and no. you were old enough to remember when the Browns made the playoffs in
3: 2002. I don't, because I didn't even follow football back then.
1: Yeah, but it's sad in a way that there's there's this generation mm-hmm. of of kids and uh, of younger people that grew up that just have no idea what it's like. That just have no, no. idea. Like yeah. Joe, you have lived through. Uh, these Indians years that have been phenomenal. You have, you've, you've lived through a Cavs championship and all of those things. I, I will never compare them. I hate the people that do. I hate the people that do like, Oh, one team's better than the other. Or we got to fight this well, No, we can love all of our teams. There's plenty of room in our hearts for all of our teams, but like there is nothing in the world like this city that we live in or your hometown Joe, Mm -hmm. when the Browns are good, there's nothing in the world like it. There's nothing like it. And so it makes me sad. Part of me makes me sad that there's this whole generation of people that have no idea. Mm -hmm. It's been the factory of sadness for decades and nobody has any idea, but it's also just so exciting. Like just being able to experience the Browns in the playoffs again, it is so exciting and, and I'm, I'm pumped. I'm so pumped. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's. It, I mean, it started with the Cavs championship, you know, in 2016, you know, because and then, uh, and then shortly, a couple, just a short couple of years after that, you know, the Browns looked like finally having a culture change, and you know, and with how good Indians have been, I mean, I know we have our questions about them, but you know, they've been winning division championships, you know, they went to the they went to the World Series. Uh, back in 2016, it, you know, I was just thinking, I'm so glad that my kids are growing up in an era where Cleveland wins, <laughs> where we're, we're, we're Cleveland wins, where we have good sports teams. You know, before then, I, I was just kind of afraid because, like, I, I don't know, like, I like, I felt like I might have had to prepare them for the constant disappointment. Like, you know, like, like, I don't know, like, tell them we're going to go get ice cream and then drive right by it and be like, well, eh, maybe next year." You know, that like that's yeah, how we just very, them for. God. You know, oh, that's I was just going to no. Con- condition condition them for constant <laughs> disappointment. But uh, but now, yeah, I, I, we're going to grow up in an era where where, where where Cleveland wins, and that's such a good feeling to know that like the 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 Cavs are on their way up. With, 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 with how they started, you know, even, yes. even after LeBron won the championship, they're back on their way up this year. The Indians, they have the right people in place, uh, you know, with Terry Francona in that front office. They're still going to find ways to try to stay competitive. The Browns finally, finally looked like they've turned a corner and got it right with Stefanski and Barry, and it looks like we're going to be good for years to come. This is just such an exciting time for, for kids nowadays, in, like nowadays, to grow up in a cleveland sports era where we're actually pretty good and it's going to be awesome it's only going to get better from here
1: yeah listen it's uh uh, there's been a damper on the week right you you win the game against pittsburgh and and you punch your ticket to the playoffs um, and you immediately get another matchup with pittsburgh which is just how this shit should go like if we're (laughs) going to make our first appearance in the playoffs in almost two decades, this shit needs to happen against Pittsburgh and it's going to, Um, Yeah. but it's not going to come without its challenges. Obviously it starts with Mm -hmm. the head coach, Kevin Stefanski. Uh, COVID has absolutely destroyed the Browns. Uh, And and frankly, it it feels like it's only, it's like COVID is just an Ohio thing at this point. Like if you live in Ohio, Hey, it's COVID anywhere else. You're fine. Uh, But Starts at the top with Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski, who I believe is probably going to win the NFL Coach of the Year Award, will not be on the sidelines uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I love, gents, uh, let me know your thoughts. I love what he said. He said, listen, guys, a lot of my job uh, is some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, but when it comes to being on the field, I read off of a sheet. And Alex Van Pelt, my offensive coordinator, is fully capable of reading off of a sheet. (laughs) He knows how I call plays. He's been doing it with me all year. I have full faith in him to do that. I love that. I love how he reacted to that.
2: Right. Well, I'm actually glad you heard that because before that, I was going to be like, what's Ray Farmer doing? Can they just text stuff to the sideline? (laughs) Like, that's legal, right? (laughs) That's legal, right? Uh, Yeah. No, I'm really glad to hear that.
1: Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. uh, uh, It's it's going to be hard. You've got you got Chad O'Shea out. You got uh, Jeff Howard, uh, Drew Petzing from from the coaching staff. Bill Callahan will not be coaching in this game. And I think we all give Bill Callahan a ton of credit for the way this offensive line has performed. Uh, The coaching staff took a big hit, but at the same time, listening to Kevin Stefanski made me feel at least a little bit more comfortable from that end. Uh, You got Mike Prefer is going to be the acting Mm -hmm. head coach and Alex Van Pelt is is still going to be out there calling plays and he's been doing it with Stefanski. So I don't want to get too overconfident. I'd still rather have Stefanski out there, but God, he made me feel a lot better about things.
3: He's been doing that all year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love this guy.
1: Who is this guy? Why do the Browns have a coach that make me feel good about things? They're not supposed to do that.
2: It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. The biggest thing that concerns me in, in this game is, is, is Batonio not being there, especially yeah. with the Steeler uh, defensive line being back. That's my biggest concern in the game. But um, you know, guys, you know, even with this, this COVID stuff, to me, it's like oddly in an odd way, it feels like the pressure is off. Now you know, like I, I don't think I don't think anybody was giving you a chance uh in this game to begin with. But now that COVID has hit and all these people are going to be missing now on, on Sunday night, you're playing. You're playing with house money <laughs> right now. The Browns are playing with house money. Go out, play hard for sixty minutes, and just kind of see what happens. Uh, so, yeah, I, I you know, as as been out of shape as I was when when I heard that Stefanski wasn't going to be there, I'll be on the sidelines and everybody else. I, you know when I when I finally calm down and step back and think about it I, yeah I, well, so I it is, so it is here's the
1: is. list here's the list right you've got that huh? part of the coaching staff out uh yeah. have started to get some good news BJ Goodson uh who's been mm-hmm. okay and he will play uh but Malcolm Smith uh Kaderil Hodge who's been really good receiver Joel Betonio the Browns are going to have to figure out where the hell they're going to get some players on that offensive line because Joel Batonio uh, it will not be playing in this game as well. Uh, Kevin Johnson, uh, Harrison Bryan, Anderson Dejo, all of them dealing with things. So, listen, the Browns I, – I here's the thing. I think because the coach and the coaching staff got hit with it, it made it feel bigger than the other – uh things that are going on. But I have to say, like, you've st- you still got Baker, you still got Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. you still got uh, mm-hmm. you still got Jarvis Landry, you still got mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt. you uh, listen, uh, we'll talk about this too, but uh, you've still got a lot of your play, you still got Miles Garrett and Larry Oganjobi and Sheldon Richardson, and you've got a lot of your playmakers that are gonna be out there. Uh, I think it's a little bit overstated how hard this is hitting the
2: Browns.
3: Yeah. So I'm, I mean, look, I, it kind of is what it is. Like it's something that they've been dealing with all season. Every team's had to deal with it at some point, unfortunate timing for some of our people to miss the first playoff game in 18 years. But I think that the guys that we have are going to put their heads down and grind. I think that, you know, we do have some depth in some positions that are affected and, uh, we still have our big playmakers out there, so um, I think it's going to be maybe a little more pass-heavy than we're used to seeing uh, with the Browns, just because our offensive line's kind of beat up. Um, they're going to want to avoid any any TJ Watt interactions with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I, I think uh, our defense is built kind of well for the Steelers' offense, uh, unless if Big Ben decides to do what he did at Indy two weeks ago and start slinging it downfield again, which would be catastrophic. Um, but listen, I agree with you, Joe. I think, and I think it was all a little,
1: it, 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 losing Joel Batonio is, is brutal. One, on an emotional level, Joel Batonio is the longest tenured Brown that we have on the team. And the long time he gets to make the playoffs, it's like, yeah, you're going to have COVID. But two, uh, I think it's a little overstated. I think he he's a rough one, but a lot we've been playing without these players and we've been playing without some of these positions. But the fact of the matter, like you said, Joe, you've still got your playmakers. And here's the other thing. Uh, I know the Steelers played Mason Rudolph last year or last week, but um, they haven't played great with Ben Roethlisberger.
3: The only thing that scares me is that indie game. I mean, I know that was one game out of literally the entire season, but it kind of makes me feel like, you know, maybe they've had Ben on like some type of like pitch count going throughout this season. And then they get to this, they get to this indie game. And he's like, all right, you know, let's air some some passes out. And all of a sudden he's slinging downfield and uh, looking like kind of vintage uh, big Ben and, and then he rests a week. And I don't know, I just, I kind of have an eerie feeling. I, I think he's going to come out and kind of throw us off. I don't think it's going to be the Steelers offense that's been, you know, dinking these five, seven-yard passes moving downfield. I think they're going to stretch the field with Deontay Johnson. And I think that, you know, Juju's going to get his, you know, short to mid-level passes of workload. And I don't know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily write off uh, this offense just because Big Ben hasn't been what big ben has been
1: here's the thing though and chad and i talked about this in the little recap video and this is this is the thing that i want to see from the browns joe woods and his defense is very much a rush your defensive lineman drop everybody back into coverage type of defense and a lot of times that's great when you have miles garrett and you have Olivier Vernon, who's not going to be playing because he ruptured his Achilles. That's a tough loss, by the way. Uh, and you've got Sheldon Richardson and Adrian Claiborne and Larry Ogunjobi. And you've got an amazing defensive line. You really do. But you have to understand that this is what I want to see from Joe Woods. And we didn't see it last week. And I'm hoping we see it this week. The adjustment I want to see from the Browns defense You have to be willing to blitz sometimes. Mm -hmm. And Ben Roethlisberger is one of those quarterbacks that you can blitz with success. We've seen it. You see it. When Ben really struggles, it's because he is under pressure and he just feels the need to get rid of the ball. That's what he is. That's how he's wired. And he makes mistakes. The Browns need to hit him early. But they don't. The Browns have not really blitzed this season at all. At all. And that's great. But I think this is the week. If you're Joe Woods, let's get some blitz packages in there. Let's really get after Ben Roethlisberger because, you know, the running game isn't really going to be a factor. James Connor and Snell no. and whoever the hell else they decide to trot out there. They're not really going to be a factor unless you just forget about them. So, I I think really for me the key to success it doesn't matter about the COVID stuff for me the key to success for the Browns this week get after Ben Roethlisberger send blitz packages and put him on his ass
3: I would yeah. think that they will I mean you know I I know that the mentality the the mentality of this team is to go one and know every week but you'd be naive to think that they're not going to show all their cards in a matchup that they're probably going to have to repeat yes. a week later. Like they know going into last week's game, week 17, that look, if we win, we're playing the Steelers next week, probably. Um, or I think that was actually definite. if They beat the Steelers. Um, you know, I, I would hope that maybe those blitz packages are something that might've been something that they don't show their hand on in last week's yeah. game. And maybe that's something they start bringing out a little more.
1: Well, here's hoping. I I, I want to say that but I'm also a little nervous about it because Joe Woods does not bring blitz packages. It's not part of how he kind of coaches defense. Yeah. And while I love to be able to say our defensive line is amazing, I want to see that adjustment from him.
2: Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, Joe Woods, he's not really a blitz pack. I don't know if that's, it's probably a combination of the personnel that he has and just the kind of just the way that the way he coaches, but you know that's going to be a key. You know we talked about it on the recap video, Mike. Uh, you know Ben's mobility is a is a shell of, of what it once was. So if you can get to him early, he is very mistake prone. Yeah. Uh, you know you can you can you can get a couple of turnovers off of him, uh, but that that is going to be the key. Uh, just because you can't let Ben sit back there. You know he is still even even though he is very old now he is still good enough to be top uh you cannot uh, let him sit back there and, and that's gonna be the big key is, is pressure and then you know um if you're if you're the Browns um you know I, I think nerves are going to be a part of the factor especially in the early going well listen guys it's a, it's a crazy
1: year uh it's 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 a lot of fun I'm looking at the NFL playoff schedule you've got No team in the AFC made it with less than an 11 and five record. That's incredible. Like 11 and five. Do you know how many years? 11 and five gets you a bye week (laughs) And, and, And this year, if you weren't 11 and five, you didn't make it. Ask the Miami Dolphins 10 and six. The Miami Dolphins are sitting at home this week because they didn't win 11 games. It's uh, there's so many good games coming up on the schedule. You've got the Colts and the bills. That should be a ton of fun. Still a good, a good Colts defense against the bills have been phenomenal. You've got yeah. the Rams and the Seahawks in a divisional game. That should be a boatload of fun. The only game that looks like it's going to suck is Tampa and Washington. Ugh. Gross. But you got the Ravens and the Titans The Ravens are looking for Ravens are looking for some revenge from last year. Uh, Titans knocked him out last year Uh, and this year. Well, and this year, you're right. And this year, and this year, year. Uh, it just, what a slate of games. Uh, It's going to be a great NFL weekend. It's going to be a great college football week, hopefully. Uh, But guys, like you said, Chad, you said all of Ohio. I don't know about all of Ohio because Cincinnati was playoff bound earlier in the decade but (laughs) here in northeast ohio you got the browns playing sunday night you've got the buckeyes playing for the national title monday night i don't know how this could get better I, i i i don't know what more you could ask for than this in in football in northeast ohio
3: well the indians could sign a power hitting right fielder well, that's not gonna fucking happen. Oh, Okay, sorry.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm just waiting. We can't got, have it all. I, listen, know, I can't have it all. Can't have it all. Listen, not to bring bullshit into this, but we got fucking we got idiots storming the Capitol building, and they are idiots. I'm not even. I'm I'm tired of being polite about it. Idiots storming the. I'm, we've got COVID crushing the Browns. We've got COVID crushing the Buckeyes. I'm just I'm just sitting here waiting for the Indians trade of Francisco Lindor to come through.
2: Oh, no, that's not going to happen for a while.
1: What makes you say that? Uh,
2: basically, uh, if he, uh, from what I read, you, you know, Ken Ros- Rosenthal was on uh, what show? I can't remember, but he was on a show on series. Roseanne. X-Men. What? What? Roseanne Rose- Roseanne Barr.
1: Was he Ann Roseanne? I don't know. Uh,
2: yeah, no, I don't know. He said he was I, on I a show. Remember. I'm
1: just trying to guess. No,
2: he was on a show on SiriusXM uh, oh. for a while, but but he um, but he's but he's quoted as saying the reason why the uh, trade Lindor trade hasn't happened yet is because of the market value. The, the, first of all, the amount of uh, premier Great. shortstops that are going to be on the market uh, this this coming off season, and um, he might, depending on what happens in arbitration, if it gets too high. He he could be traded if if he gets too low. I think I I don't want to. I'm probably misspeaking. But there's go look it up. <laughs> Ken <laughs> Rosenbaum. Ken, Ken Rosenbaum explains exactly why the Lindor trade hasn't happened yet, and we might he might be an Indian uh, this season, and uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and play this year with him, and just not get anything gonna, for him, and we're just
1: gonna let him go at the end of yeah. the year. We're just gonna That's
2: let him go. Wow. Yeah.
1: All right, so uh, to finish, oh, I'm going to say this. And,
2: teams, and teams are reluctant to give up prospects right now just because of the financial calamity that the MLB is in, I guess. So whatever. I get it.
1: Uh, to finish, uh, did something fun tonight, gents. Did you? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if they have this. I don't know if they have this in Nashville, but up here in Ohio, uh, they they have igloos at restaurants? We have yeah. igloos. You guys have igloos?
3: Yeah, f- yeah we invented the igloo. Yeah, you I idiot! Fit. Shit. Not Mike, like the is- actual igloo, but like, yeah, igloo on bars. We've had those for years. Uh, yeah, right. We've had them
1: it's fine, but obviously, they are much more popular uh, this year because of COVID.
2: Not the uh, actual igloo.
1: <laughs> no, that was not. Are you sure that wasn't invented by Andrew Jackson in Nashville?
3: Uh, he did a lot of shit, not a lot of good shit, but maybe. All right.
1: Fair. I took the wife to an igloo tonight, uh, down in Merwin's Wharf uh, in downtown. Uh, It was a it was a good time. It was it was nice. We haven't done that before. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys you guys done that? Chad, have you done that up here? Have you have you hit the igloo?
2: No, no igloo. I've seen igloos. The only place I've seen I've seen igloos out here on the west side is or east side. Excuse me, on the east side is uh, at the Hooli House. And that's why I asked you in the text when you sent us the picture of it. I was like, "Are you at the Huli House <laughs> and Man Manner?" Um, Hell no.
3: And uh, <laughs> uh, and but yeah, I, I have seen them, and uh, yeah, it looks it looks it looks cool. It's a great but, uh, option to COVID.
1: Huh. Listen, it was nice. My wife and I, my poor wife, I haven't gotten her like out on like a date or whatever. It just has been hard and we're trying yeah. to abide by COVID rules and it's yeah. been hard mm-hmm. and we went out and just we sat in an igloo and we had a great time. I don't know if it was worth it. I mean, it was worth it to have the time with my wife <laughs> out on a date. I don't know if the money was worth it. But uh, but yeah, igloos. I, I recommend especially if you can find one that doesn't charge your mortgage. Uh Go give it a shot. Yeah, I would go find one out.
2: We are an igloo podcast right now. now. We are a, we're, we're an igloo podcast. We are we are big fans. Uh, we are an igloo advocate uh, here on the Garage Beers podcast. And we hope you
1: keep it iglooed here with us on oh! the.
2: Oh,
1: all right, <laughs> all right, boys. You got anything else before we get out of here and get ready for this football weekend? No, No. that's a solid. No, that's a solid. No. All right. So we're going to get out of here. First of all, we got to say thank you to our special guests, guest, Steve Belisari, former Ohio state quarterback. Uh, uh, What a good time we had with him drinking a beer, talking some football, getting ready for the Ohio state national championship game against the Alabama crimson tide. That comes at you Monday. And before that happens Sunday night, we got the Browns and the Steelers going at it playoff football uh, get ready boys, whatever happens, this is going to be a freaking party in this house. We're going to have some dog bone cookies. We're going to drink lots of beer and uh, it's going to be a good time. So for Joey Whalen down in Nashville, Tennessee at garage beers, Joe for Chad Meyer over there on the East side of Cleveland at garage beers, Chad, I am Michael Keith. You can find me at garage beers, Mike, and you can find the show at the garage beers on Twitter and Instagram and at the Garage Beers Podcast on Facebook. Uh, This has been episode 46. Go Buckeyes, go Browns. Cheers to you, and we'll see you next week.